are we positioned right now for a new era? How does the Lord use darkness and light? How does he contrast? It's about contrast, light against a backdrop of darkness. How can we optimize our cave-like experience Understanding that the Jesus movement is based on the currency of these sorts of kingdom concepts. Hi, this is Brian Del Turco. I'm glad you're with me today. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 129. I'm calling it Gleanings for Kingdom Concepts for a New Era. Can I pray for you? Father, we ask together for a spirit of wisdom and really a spirit of revelation, as Paul taught us to pray in Ephesians, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Help us to locate maybe where we're at right now with you, how we're processing with this season, and what edges you are developing. Holy Spirit, we invite you into the mix as always. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Before we take a quick dive into this, I want to encourage you to go back just the preceding episode, episode 128 with Frank Viola, building a 3D immunity and learning how to thrive in this season. He has a free offer for you, a 64-page downloadable PDF on building three-dimensional immunity, spiritual, psychological, as well as physical. We had a great conversation. It was filled with humor and yet substantive content about this time, how we can not only survive, but thrive. I believe we are poised for a new era, and there are prophetic voices saying this. Now, don't wig out about the phrase prophetic voices. Prophetic voices can take many forms and shapes, I believe, It can be what we sometimes often think of it as prophetic proper, like prophetic ministry, the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians. People who may not even want to identify with that are also prophetic voices too, many times, and they just have a knowing and they speak prophetically. But at any rate, there is a consensus of prophetic voices that's saying we we are poised to enter into a new era. When the age of exploration occurred and European powers began to extend their reach across the globe and discover new lands, that opened up a whole new era. The Protestant Reformation opened up a new era of the freedom of the individual and nation states and separation of church and state. And it unleashed creativity and un- unleashed the Industrial Revolution. You know, the, the Enlightenment as a precursor to the Protestant Reformation opened a new era and it positioned the world for the Protestant Reformation. In the American context, the American Civil War opened a new era. Things were never the same. What about World War I? Of course, it created a new era. World War II, the same. 9-11 in the year 2001, opened a new era. Things were not quite the same after 9-11. And right now, experts and prophetic voices are saying that the post-corona world is going to be a different world from the pre-corona world. These are defining moments. 
these are massive macro inflection points that trickle down into families and individuals and communities of faith and businesses and just about every aspect and sphere of society and culture will enter a new era. It's an overused phrase. It's become a bit cliche, but it truly is a paradigm shift, a whole new model, a whole new template, a whole way of seeing and thinking and doing is already in transition and will take its full form after this virus passes. You know, Jesus spoke of discerning the seasons. He chided uh, leaders and influencers in his day and said, look, you know how to, how to discern weather patterns, but you can't discern the seasons. Jesus and the Holy Spirit can help us to discern the season that we're in. I think about the sons of Issachar in the Old Testament. It says that they had understanding of the times and what Israel ought to do. We need that capacity. We need that anointing, if you will, to understand this time and what we ought to do. It's kind of like Noah's Ark almost. I hope it's not a um, hyperbolic, like too extreme um, uh, metaphor. When they came out of the ark, it was a different world. It was not the same. And we're going to come out of this and much of the world is going to be different. It's an opportunity. I think the Lord is restoring us to an accuracy regarding function, how we are to function in our lives individually, family life, businesses, education, spheres of society. Form follows function. New forms are emerging. We are truly entering a new era. That's the first kingdom concept. Here's another one. The Jesus movement is based on the revelation of kingdom concepts. I love Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1.17, asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. He says there that we may know the hope of our calling. In another place in Ephesians, he says that we may walk worthy of our calling that we would know, you know, the riches of Christ's inheritance that is located actually in the church, in the saints, and that we would understand the exceeding greatness of his power, Paul says, his power, the power of God that is directed towards those who believe. But it starts with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And if there's almost like one thing I could recommend all the time, but especially now, is continue to seek the Lord for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord. Here's what it means, my friend, I believe, from the original language. It's an experiential knowledge. It's a heart knowledge of the Lord that we're questing after. It's an advanced knowledge. There's this epinosis is the word. The prefix epi intensifies. It's like a graduate education and relational knowledge of the Lord. But here's what it also means. All knowledge, all ideas, creativity are locative, are located within the experiential knowledge of the Lord. He will show you about the practice of your life, the function of your life, the new forms that you are to take. It flows out of that heart relational knowledge. As Westerners, especially, we're so top of brain, you know, prefrontal cortex, 
cranium reason thinking. And we think of knowledge only in that capacity, but a deeper knowledge is heart knowledge. It's a knowing. And really, I just want to say that our cranial knowledge needs to rest upon our heart knowledge, you know, foundational to good, accurate thinking as an apprentice of Christ is a heart knowledge of the Lord. Request of him, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, as Jesus said to do, for increasing measures of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord. Now, here's what's going to happen, my friend. Kingdom concepts are going to be birthed in you. And then you can begin to pray into these concepts. And out of prayer, you will begin to speak a new logic, a new language. You will even, in a sense, quote, prophesy, unquote. You will speak forth and decree and say what you're about to move into. So it works like this. I'll give you four P words, okay, just for alliteration, all right, and ease of remembering, perhaps. Principles, prayer, prophecy, and projection. So the principles are these kingdom concepts that I'm talking to you about. The Holy Spirit will bring, will renew the spirit of your mind and bring to you kingdom conceptualization. Those are the principles. Now you have to take it into prayer. You have to work it in prayer. Everything flows out of prayer. Take these kingdom principles, these kingdom concepts into prayer. And out of prayer, out of the womb of prayer, you will begin to say, you will begin to prophesy. You, you'll be able to speak to mountains, Mark 11. You'll be able to you know, speak to storms. But it's much more than that. It's a new logic, a new language. And the saying creates the space in front of you for you to move into and actually project into it to actualize it and walk it out and move into it. So principles, prayer, prophecy, and projection. I'm saying that the Jesus movement that you're a part of, if you want to get on the leading edge with Jesus, and this is the time to do it, if you want to run with Jesus as fast as you can, if you want to run your race to win it, fight your fight to defeat the enemy, if you want to fulfill your assignment, if you want to start living now in the powers of the age which are to come, the Jesus movement is based on the currency of kingdom concepts that come to you. He will renew your mind. Jesus said, come to me, yoke up with me, and what? Learn from me. This is true higher learning. So kingdom conceptualization so that you and I can actually activate it and walk in it and apprehend it in a real world way. Hang with me here. As it's been said in the good book, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Okay, well, number three, the Lord, the King, uses darkness to contrast light. Have you felt the darkness? I have. Have you felt the depression, the sadness in the atmosphere? Of course, many people are really, really struggling. Probably the majority of people are struggling at some level or another. The Lord uses darkness as a canvas, as a backdrop for his light. It's called contrast. Can I just offer a sidebar here? He is the Lord. We've used that word so much we hardly know what it means. A Lord is a great king, a great authority. He is the Lord. It is the gospel of the kingdom. It's not 
I think as Dallas Willard says, a gospel of sin management, just how to manage sin and to get to heaven hopefully someday. Good news was actually culturally used to herald the coming of an emperor or a king. It it, it was a celebratory announcement of the new king was on the throne. The kingdom which is coming, you know, Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done, Father. That kingdom which is coming in its fullness has already begun now within us when we're born again. And we have the opportunity and we have the calling to begin to taste in part now what is coming in its fullness on the horizon, the new heavens and the new earth. And in doing that, we are a witness. We are a witness not only of that new age which is coming, but of the king who is bringing it. This is the gospel of the kingdom. He is the Lord, the great king. Well, I'm saying the great king uses darkness to contrast light. We don't want to convert people to churchianity. We want to see people converted to the king and to his kingdom. Now, in Isaiah 60, verse 1, the prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise, your light has come. Behold, the darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. There's the canvas of darkness. There's the backdrop. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, if you're a Bible student, whatever you may think of this particular passage in Isaiah chapter 60 and its eschatological fulfillment, its end time fulfillment, if we could put it that way. Just understand this. Here's what I'd like to suggest to you, that the prophet Isaiah, many times the prophets would prophesy and these prophecies would have multi-layers of fulfillment. They may have an immediate fulfillment in their historical day. There may be a layer of fulfillment in the time of Christ. Isaiah 61, Christ stood up and said that, that he was anointed. You you recall that from the first verses of Isaiah 61. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. These passages may find their fulfillment in in the so-called church age in our time and find ultimate fulfillment in the new heavens and in the new earth. Just catch the revelation and the concept of this, that the light has already come upon you. Paul says as much in Ephesians 5. See the contrast between light and darkness? In Matthew 4, it says that Jesus left Nazareth and he came to Capernaum, and and it quotes another passage from Isaiah. Uh, he, he, he comes to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, the northern tribal area of Israel, which was incredibly dark, incredibly oppressed. The Assyrians had come down centuries before and just devastated the land, intermarried, brought their false gods, demons, and it left a, a multi-century depression and darkness over that part. That's where Jesus went to really begin his ministry. He left, he left Nazareth. He went into that region to fulfill what was said in Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them a light dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He ran to the darkness. He didn't go down to Jerusalem. He didn't go to the Bible Belt in America or some some. He went to the deepest darkness and oppression, and that's where he began to proclaim the advancement of his kingdom. You see, God uses darkness. It it feels dark right now, doesn't it? You may feel like you're in darkness right now. Listen, God uses darkness. 
he breaks in with his light in new ways and it creates a contrast and you can go with the light. You can come out of a dark spell with new light, new understanding, new forms and enter a new era. I want to encourage you in that. So we're just reflecting on some gleanings here, four kingdom concepts for a new era. These are just four. We're poised for a new era. The Jesus movement is based on the currency of kingdom concepts and processing with those concepts. The Lord, the great king, we talked a little bit about that, the gospel of the kingdom, but how he uses darkness to contrast light. And finally, number four, how to optimize your cave. Okay. Have you ever felt like you're in a cave? You're pulled away and stuck in a cave. We can walk worthy of the calling we've received. How can we handle a cave-like experience as an apprentice of Jesus is a good question. You know, we can transition and elevate our prayers from, Lord, help me to make it, to, Lord, what are you making of me in this? Frank Viola talked about that in the preceding episode, episode 128, how to not only survive a crisis, but how to thrive in it how to optimize it. Don't waste a good crisis. Now in Psalm 57, David was quarantined in a cave. He was, he he had fled. He was fleeing Saul who was trying to kill him. Saul and his men were after David. His life was on the line. He went and hid in a cave. Psalm 57, be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me, he prays. My soul takes refuge in you. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. Listen to his statement of faith in verse two. I I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. I love that. I think it's repeated in Psalm 108. God accomplishes all things for you. I don't know how it's going to work out, you say. I say the same thing. I can't see how this big thing is going to happen in my life that needs to happen. I can relate to that. Listen, God accomplishes all things for us. Just keep plotting in faith. Keep praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Keep walking in the light that you have. Take the next step. Always being open to more. Don't get stuck. Don't stop. David says, God will send from heaven and save me. God reproaches the one who tramples upon me. He's talking about Saul and his men says, my soul is among lions. I'm lying among those who are breathing forth fire. Then he says in verse 5, be exalted above the heavens, O God. Okay, now he's pivoted and he's transitioning into praise. His perspective is changing. He's getting into praise and he's beginning to declare the kingship of God. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. They dug a pit before me. I'm skipping some phrases here. But they fall into the pit that they make. So this negative thing that's coming against you, if we process with God, if we lift our eyes in praise and perspective, that thing will turn into our favor. My heart is steadfast, he says in verse 7. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. I will sing praises. He starts out in despondency in his cave, and now... He's coming up. He's being elevated into praise and perspective and prophecy. Now, hang with me here. It gets better. He says, awake my glory. 
Awake harp, harp and lyre, musical instruments, I will awaken the dawn. Okay, David's saying, okay, wake up, praise and worship in me. Wake up my musical instruments, and I will awaken the dawn? I don't know. I just hear there. I will awaken the dawn. I'm getting at the top of my day, and this day I'm going to wake it up into the purposes of God. I'm going to wake it up into post-cave experience, a new era. I will give thanks to you, verse 9, O Lord, among the peoples, I will sing praises to you among the nations. Now he's talking about the nations. He knows he's coming out of this cave. He knows he's going to be a global influence. He knows he's going to be a leader in the nation. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Now he's just taking it to that that great proclamation in the Old Testament where God vows that as the waters cover the sea, so, so the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. What did David do? David worshiped in the cave. This is how to optimize your cave, my friend. David worshiped. He processed in the cave. He came into new perspective, elevated perception and thinking. Listen to this. Malcontents started coming to him. We know this from other parts of the Old Testament. Malcontents started coming to him and connecting and aligning with him. And these were the men who turned into the mighty men of David and were like his inner cabinet and his inner top military people in, in the new kingdom that he would lead. So while he's in the cave, there's a realignment of relationships. While he's in the cave, new potentials are coming to him. He's creating the future in the cave. It's the embryo of the kingdom. Once Saul died and he took the kingdom It's the embryo of the kingdom that he would lead. And we know that David is a type of Christ. If anybody in the Old Testament is a type of Christ, it's David. And he says, I will praise you before the nations. It's about the nations, my friend. It's about King Jesus, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. So what can you do in your cave? What can I do? Well, I'm going to tell you, If we're going to position ourselves to actually hear something from the Lord about how we can do this, we're going to have to get quiet. We're going to have to pull away with the Lord. Don't fall into the trap of binging on Netflix during this time or, you know, doing something else. But use this time as a true Selah moment, a true sabbatical moment, a true wilderness cave-like experience and optimize it. God will bring you light. He will show you what to do. In Ephesians 5, 13, Paul says, All things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For this reason, it says, I think he quotes Isaiah here, Awake sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Another translation might say, be circumspect. Be aware. Don't walk as unwise, but as wise redeeming the time or making the most of your time, kairos, opportune season in the Greek word, because the days are evil. These feel like evil days. These are evil days. When people are dying, when economies are crashing, when all of the fallout is happening because of this, this is evil. These are days of evil. But Paul says, redeem this kairos opportunity, make the most of it with the light of God, Walk with wisdom. Be careful how you walk. Don't be foolish. 
but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you and I can optimize our cave-like experiences. So what have we said? Just a few gleanings, kingdom concepts for a new era. We are entering a new era, number one. Number two, we have to receive new kingdom concepts and begin to pray it, say it, and project ourselves into it. Number three, the Lord, the King, uses darkness to contrast light. Light is going to show us the way. No matter how dark it feels, there's light from God. And then number four, how can we optimize our cave so that we actually, it's like coming out of Noah's Ark, or we, we come out of the cave into a new era, and there's actually something in the cave that's birthed, an embryo of our future. There's perhaps new alignment, new relationships. Maybe there's new ideas, new creativity. Maybe you start something new in the cave. You start that micro business. You start that cause, that initiative. You create that thing, right? The cave can be a blessing. And we may look back, and I think we will look back, especially if we process optimally with God in this, and we will say, that was one of the best seasons of my life. I pivoted right there. I, it was hard going through it. When I first went into it, I was despondent. But like Isaiah 57 gives us this template, and by the way, the Psalms, especially David's Psalms, are so beautiful because they give us a window, they give us a snapshot into how to process with God. You can just study these Psalms and then go back into Kings and Samuel and other books and actually read about the narrative, the historical experience that David went through. But the Psalms give you a window on how to psychologically, spiritually process with God. It's beautiful. And Psalms 57 is one of these windows. You may look back at this time as, as one of the most blessed, creative, transforming times in your life. I believe that's what the Lord wants for us. And that's what I'm trying to do. Am I perfect in it? No. Every day, I try to get back up on that horse and ride it. <laughs> Maybe maybe like late afternoon, the day before, the evening before, I fell off of that horse, but I got to get back up. You know, maybe I got knocked down. I had a mentor tell me once, look, you can be shell-shocked for about two hours, but not like 14 days. You got to get up. It's called hardening yourself as a warrior of Christ, I guess. But all right, we can get on that leading edge of how to process with God. I appreciate you listening to this. Go to the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash new era, jesussmart.com slash new era. You can share that page with others. Can I encourage you to share this with a friend? I mean, I'm sure you have a friend or a contact who needs to hear some of these ideas. Not that, not that these are ideas coming from me. These are ideas, frankly, which are being broadcast across the globe. And some of these ideas are coming down, I believe, through, through the prism of the Holy Spirit and sort of refracting into different voices across the globe. And I think the Holy Spirit is talking to the body of Christ, giving us an opportunity to come up. To learn more about the podcast, go to JesusSmart.com. See the show notes page for this episode again, JesusSmart.com slash new era. I'll probably try to have some links there and some additional resources that you can go deeper with. Everybody needs to hear some of these ideas because I think some, some ideas are coming from the Lord. You know, it says he's a father of lights. And good things come down from the father of lights. He's not left us. He's, he's brought us light and insights and truth on how to, how to make it through it. And not only make it through it, more importantly, how to be made into something new 
through it. All right, we have an e-letter which goes out like next level elements to develop as a Christ follower, as an apprentice of his kingdom, pretty much every week. It's free. You can sign up for that e-letter on the website at jesusmart.com. Well, Jesus is brilliant. His Father, our Father, is the Father of lights. Brilliance flows down from the heavens to us. He knows how life works best. Talk soon.